Turkey Month. I'm JB. And I'm Jordan. Welcome back to Camp Nightmare. Today, we've got a special episode. It's so special. We have not one, but two special guests that we are interviewing today. The creators of the one, the only... Thanks killing y'all. We've got Jordan Downey and Kevin Stewart on the show today. Yeah, they are a director and cinematographer duo with a love and a background in practical effects who have made everything from Thanks Killing, Thanks Killing 3 to Critters, Bounty Hunter, and the most recent The Head Hunter. And Kevin has shot movies such as uh, Bloomhouse's Unfriended Dark Web, amongst other things. So we're excited to talk to them. Like, and it, maybe this is weird, but we are so honored to have them on our show. Like, we are legitimate fans of Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. We built a tradition with our we Patreon have. episodes of, of, like, doing a Thanksgiving episode every year for Thanksgiving. So we've watched them all for Patreon already. Both so we were them. like, what are we going to do now? So it's great that we're able to have Kevin and Jordan on the show. They yeah. made a bunch of really cool stuff together as they're yeah. going to talk about. Yeah. And, dude, I'll be honest with you. I think the thing I walked away from this interview the most with was a newfound respect for Jordan and Kevin because they exactly what you think about thanks killing is true that they mm -hmm. sat down and were like how can we make the best worst horror movie that has ever been made <laughs> and it's still like every year it's it's like the essential thanksgiving horror film still to this day correct. right correct yeah yeah so anyway before all that let's get into some what's new First up, we got a title and a rough release date for the next Predator movie. And I'm going to say something I, I wasn't really expecting to say about a Predator movie, which is I'm pretty excited about this, actually. I, this is like the best premise am, for a Predator movie that I've heard since the first Predator. I am excited, but I'm also like, the like I was excited about the Predator. Sure. So was I. And uh, man, did that go oh, that I know. hard I was, left. I agree. The first agree. like two thirds of that movie are amazing. And then just the final act is insane. But I think this this premise is kind of fixing something that kind of annoys me about some of the Predator movies, which is like the over-CGI, the over-techie aspect yeah. of it. And, you know, we've done Guns and Explosions, but new movie simply titled Prey... Which which is great, first of all. So I wonder if that if that's like a uh, uh, just putting it out there for us at the beginning that this is going to be more about the protagonist mm -hmm. escaping the predator. Well, because it's really it's a simple premise. This is my yeah. beef with predator movies post the original Predator. Too complicated. Yeah, it's a really simple premise, man. That's, yeah, it worked, the original is it so simple. When it was yeah. fucking uh, Schwarzenegger and Carl, uh, is it Carl Winslow? Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers. Carl Winslow. Yeah. That's from Family Matters. <laughs> My bad. But yeah, it worked when it was just Carl Weathers and Schwarzenegger and a group of guys trying to outsmart an alien hunter. Yeah, commandos, alien, jungle. That's it. The premise of this news film sets it 300 years in the past. And it's a female warrior who uh, is defending her tribe against the Predator. And it's it's directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who did 10 Cloverfield Lane, the second movie in the Cloverfield. It's like barely a Cloverfield movie. It's just like, you know. Well, so it's neither of the sequels were really Cloverfield movies to start with. They were other movies that J.J. Right. Abrams was like, I'm going to slap the word Cloverfield on this. And we're going to turn it into a series of or an anthology series of films that all have some weird through line that we put in at the last like in the Cloverfield paradox the only reason it's connected to Cloverfield is because the very end the weird <laughs> monster pokes its head out of the clouds and you're like oh Cloverfield monster <laughs> just fucking stupid well, it's the same with Cloverfield Lane like basically right, you, could, very you could not deal film. with Cloverfield at all except at the end you're like oh there it is Got yeah it. Cool. yeah but dude John Goodman really is the reason to watch 10 oh, Cloverfield he Lane. nails it he really John Goodman plays crazy real well yeah yeah, yeah, when he wants to go dark, he can do it. Yeah. It's really good. The next thing on the list, uh, this is, again, something I didn't know I needed, and now I'm kind of excited about it. <laughs> I mean, The Foo yeah. Fighters are going to be making their own horror comedy movie called uh, <laughs> Studio 666. And I'm fucking here for it. Yeah. Like, Dave Grohl could literally fart on a snare drum for an hour straight, and he, I would watch that. He might. What if he gets a chance to finally fart on a snare I, drum in like, this movie? I'm here for it. And you'll actually have to watch it. I'm here for it. Uh, <laughs> so the movie is about the band renting a cursed mansion full of evil rock and roll history to record their new album. So, like, they're leaning into it. Yeah, like, they're, they're leaning just, into rock They're playing history. themselves as a band, which is, first of all, amazing. Dave, Dave Grohl apparently gets possessed by evil when he starts looking for creative inspiration. I mean, who hasn't? Uh, so it's coming in February of next year. We're excited. Dude, I saw an interview with Foo Fighters one time where they talked about the first time they were on Letterman. like, And it was literally whatever that album before Color and the Shape. So they're like really young. And they're the first time on Letterman as Foo Fighters. And... I guess Dave Grohl got like cocky on the phone when they were trying when they were booking it, and he yeah. was like, "Yeah, but we want Christopher Walken. We want the same night that Christopher Walken's going to be a guest because we want Walken to introduce us." 
and secretly it's because Dave Grohl always wanted to hear someone go, Foo Fighters. <laughs> That's why they did that. So, like, I saw this interview with Dave Grohl where he's like, the greatest moment in Foo Fighters history is when we got Christopher Walken to be like, ladies and gentlemen, Foo Fighters. <laughs> uh, and I've loved Dave Grohl ever since I saw that interview. So we're excited about that. Lastly, uh, our buddy Sean Cochran, author of our bloody fan fiction from last month, brought to our attention, we forgot to mention the awful ending to Army of Darkness. Like, there is... Another yeah. ending that's really, really dumb. And we did neglect to talk about that. But uh, so thank you, Sean, for bringing that up. So that if you guys don't remember, because I, I totally forgot until Sean threw it back on my radar, because apparently it's only on like the special edition DVD. But there's this whole alternate ending to Army of Darkness where instead of uh, saying the magic words and going back and talking to Ted Raimi and S-Mart, he takes his car and he buries himself in this cave and he drinks some drops of this magic liquid that's supposed to put him to sleep so he can sleep and he takes one drop too many because yeah. something happens he gets distracted when... and he takes because it's ash drops. and that's what ash does yeah he can't just focus on one thing at a time yeah then he wakes up in like weird post-apocalyptic world he's like i slept too long it's long, very long, it's very like planet of apes yeah. planet of the apes like the end of planet <laughs> you of the bastard it was sam raimi setting up for an even more ridiculous sequel that never got made medieval which is dead like, which is, but this is post-apocalyptic dead. Deadstopian. Oh, there it is. We found it. Deadstopian future. I'm sure the studios would have ruined that title somehow. Evil Deadstopian is what they need to call that. (laughs) Uh, So thank you, Sean, for pointing that out and bringing it to our attention in a kind fashion. Yeah. He sent me a link to that, so we're going to post that alternate ending on this week's X-Files section on the website. So guys, go check that out. And next up is our steaming pile of streaming picks. And we got uh, almost a full edition of Jordan Downey and Kevin Stewart movies on the list for you guys today, since we're going to be talking to them on the show. True story. First up on Amazon Prime, their latest venture, The Headhunter, which is really impressive. It's a... We kind of talk whether it's post-apocalyptic or whether it's in the past, whether it's in the past future. I think it's they kind of confirm it's way in the past in like a fantasy reality where there's a guy who's hunting the heads of creatures and seeking the thing that murdered his whole family. It's really well written. Uh, beautifully it's so, shot. so well written that there's very little dialogue in it. There's almost none. Uh, it's beautifully <laughs> shot. It's definitely a very visual film. Um, and we talk about this in the interview that Jordan and Kevin are both big practical guys. Mm-hmm. Like, just like us, they grew up in an era where practical was king. And they definitely flex their muscles yeah. in this film quite a bit. Which yeah. is great because they're always finding new ways, new stories to tell that implement the stuff that they yeah. love, which includes like puppetry and creature creation and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of that in Headhunter, but it also has like a heavy like Revenant vibe, you know, where there's yeah. it's just like a one man against the elements type thing. Yeah. Up next on Tubi, but you can also check this out on Voodoo or Pluto TV, the first Thanksgiving, the classic, the one. The only. If you guys sign up for our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash camp nightmare, you can check out the watch along that we did our very first year. I think it's one of our first secret episodes where we just watch along with the movie with our own idiotic commentary. And now you have multiple options for how you can watch it for free with us. And uh, same deal uh, on Tubi, Voodoo, and Pluto TV. Thanks Killing 3. And we also, <laughs> last year, did our Patreon episode watch along for that movie. So that's also available on there. Yep. And I think Greg is on both of those. Greg's on both of those as well. We're going to um, have him back this year for our Patreon watch along. We just don't know what we're going to watch yet. Yeah. We thought we were going to do Noah's Shark, but we can't find it. Yeah. I don't anywhere. think it's out yet. But we'll find something good. Yeah. I think I think moving forward, we're going to be calling it the annual Thanksgiving turkey. Mm-hmm. It's just a turkey of a film, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, so we'll find something good for you. Yeah. And yeah. speaking of turkeys and Thanksgiving, last <laughs> up on our streaming picks, on Tubi, Blood Rage, which is really the only other horror movie I can think of that's really Thanksgiving-centric. Yeah, yeah, and, and weirdly so. Yeah, I mean, um, it gives us the immortal line. That isn't cranberry sauce, Artie. That is not cranberry sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, uh, and it's the only, like you said, it's the only movie that's not a Jordan and Kevin joint, but yeah. it's still it's still worth a watch. But it's a great festive horror movie Thanksgiving watch for you and the whole family. And like we said, this year, for um, you still have time to sign up to Patreon for our Thanksgiving watch along. I believe it's the $5 tier. Mm-hmm. You, get the, you get the secret episodes. And next week on Tuesday, the 23rd, we're doing our first annual Camp Nightmare Fiendsgiving Hangout. So that's also Patreon exclusive. 
any tier on Patreon gets you access to the Hangout. And we're going to be doing a little bit of horror trivia. We're going to yep. be doing uh, maybe play some games. I think we've got some Slasher Showdown. We're going to also debut our really awesome secret holiday merch this year, which we're really proud of. And I can't wait to show you guys i i'm, I'm excited <laughs> lastly uh it's not a it's not a trailer it's a full-ass short film of the week this week yeah critters bounty hunter now this was made by uh jordan and kevin yep back in 2014 and again these are two guys that have a real love for the genre and a real love for the community and Definitely. like it, and it shows in what they make like this is a tribute film in any in every way possible especially if you look at like thanks killing three and you could totally see why that kind of makes sense for a critters filmmaker and uh, originally, Critters Bounty Hunter was made entirely under two months by Jordan and Kevin, uh, basically to try to get Jordan the directing job on the upcoming Critters remake. But that didn't happen. <laughs> and he rolled with it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> why not? Because the, the short film, is he just released it free, and it's become a fan favorite and yeah. a cult favorite. And it's good. It's awesome. Check the whole short film out on the X-Files section of our website. Yeah, which is now under extras. I don't know if we, I, I believe we talked oh, about yeah. that last week, but yep. like we have kind of cleaned up the website a little bit. So if you're like, oh my God, where did the X Files go? Just click on the extras tab. It's, it's there. It's right there. It's all there. Anyway, so that does it for all the what's new stuff for this week. So I guess without further ado, let's bring Jordan and Kevin in. Yep. Uh, and talk some thanks killing. Let me start by saying thank you guys for being here. We're here with Kevin Stewart and Jordan Downey of uh, a lot of different fames, but today we're talking mainly about Thanksgiving. Yeah. Because that's our, you know, that's it's it, that's our shit for Thanksgiving is all I'm saying. We both love that movie and its sequel like mm -hmm. dearly. And this is the, actually the third year our podcast will be around on a Thanksgiving and our tradition the first two years was to do a watch along with Thanksgiving, and then we did Thanksgiving three, and it was ex for our patrons. And now uh, we're, we're out of Thanksgiving movies, but we got you guys. So really, this is our desperate plea to you to make another Thanksgiving, <laughs> so that we can so we can continue our tradition. Or the long awesome. lost Thanksgiving two. Yes, you know who knows. Um, mm -hmm. So you guys wrote the film together. The first question I'm sure everybody has is how? How? Where, why, like, why? where did the concept for this come from? <laughs> Oh, that's a good question. I mean, we were, it starts, what, 2003 or 2005, I think. Uh, we were we were sophomores in college and, and Jordan and I were roommates. And we were just thinking of, a, we loved bad horror movies, right? We'd go down to the Blockbuster and we'd rent the worst possible movies. We even had a competition of who could rent sure. the worst movie. Sure. The worst watchable movie has to be watchable. Otherwise, it doesn't count. Well, pausing real quick. Who won that? Yeah, what was the winner? <laughs> oh, I don't know. We had some good ones. Uh, <laughs> Whoever found what was the one the make a the, wish make a wish was a favorite. Um, that was no one knows about make a wish or talks no, about no, it. No, that no. one's fine. I don't know about make a wish either. I'm gonna have to track it There's down. There's no now, way though. you can find this. I mean, it's, it's oh. <laughs> that sounds like a challenge to me. It exists. I'm sure it's somewhere. <laughs> I mean. When you say Make a Wish, does it somehow turn the Make a Wish Foundation into a horror horror no. concept? Because I'm I'm here for that. <laughs> I wish I wish that was the case, but no. Some little some little kid on his deathbed makes a deal with Satan. <laughs> like I'm into that. And so we did that, um, and we always wanted to make our own, you know. Uh, and so yeah. uh, that year, we're like, come on, guys, let's go make a fucking movie, uh, or I should say, Justin Jordan, let's go make another a movie, and. Um, and we were like, what, what can we make? You know, we can make something for like $3,000. We can just go out there and get something made. And uh, we threw out a bunch of little ideas, uh, one of which was a, a, an Easter egg, or sorry, um, yeah, an Easter horror movie and some like a Scream Cheese uh, was one of our <laughs> titles. Scream Cheese, yes. like a, yeah. a killer cream cheese, you know, somebody who, die, who <laughs> dies in a vat of acid. Of, I don't know. I don't even remember, but eventually led to, talking about uh, a Thanksgiving slasher movie because nobody had ever done that. Sure. Uh, and I think that was actually Jordan's idea. It was like, well, we should do Thanksgiving. Which is true because like horror has like a history of tackling holidays, right? It's like always a thing, but not you're right, kind of Easter really hasn't been done and then Thanksgiving. So I'm, you kinda... I'm shocked that no one has done a zombie Jesus film yet. Like I am shocked. <laughs> that they... That's so true. Oh my gosh. That's there. Like that's been there for 2000 years and no one has gone there yet. <laughs> Silver platter, you know? Yeah. Like John the Baptist head. <laughs> I know. I mean, that, uh, that we right. threw out a bunch of ideas and, and eventually we just landed on this and we're like, oh my God, Thanksgiving's sure. never been done. Um, mm -hmm. 
and one thing led to the next. And I think the very first line we came up with in the movie wasn't even a line. It was the tagline. It was gobble, gobble, motherfucker. And from that point on, <laughs> we yeah. were sold. We're like, okay, we gotta go. We gotta go make this. Well, because that could be anything. That could be like Die Hard, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. True. If it was not a Christmas, but all like I could see Bruce Willis delivering that line. <laughs> yeah, if Die Hard took place at Thanksgiving, <laughs> gobble gobble, motherfucker. Actually, Absolutely. Really well, and you know now, now, now knowing what went behind that, I feel like if your goal is to make a shitty horror film, like there's pretty much an infinite amount of uh, possibilities for where you could go with that right totally. like, i'm sad that we didn't get the tre- cream cheese monster <laughs> yeah. did you guys have a background in like making practical effects making puppets was that something early on you're like this has to be included if we're gonna make like our homage to be horror we need a like puppet monster was that an early thing yeah yeah well especially too because like kevin's saying the holiday horror films were definitely high on the list i mean Yes, we wanted to go and make a a shitty or a really enjoyably shitty, a so bad it's good horror sure. film that yeah. you could just sit around and knock back a couple of beers and hang and, and enjoy with your high school or college buddies, like some late night schlock that you would have rented that's trauma like full moon, Charles mm-hmm. Band like that kind of stuff that we grew up loving. I would rent those yeah. things like all the time um but oh, same yes it's its own genre and it's its own form of entertainment they're hard to criticize they're hard to classify they're just fun uh so that was in our minds and the holiday ones always stuck out to me and the leprechaun and jack frost uncle sam was that strange you know fourth of yep. july one um oh yeah <laughs> Those those holiday ones. So like Kevin's saying, you know, then we kind of started to reverse engineer. Okay, well, Easter and Thanksgiving's available, but also all of those are heavy on the practical effects, especially the like R-rated trash talking, you know, puppets like Chucky in the Ginger yep. Dead Man, a more recent one, I suppose. Yep. Um, the Jack Frost, Leprechaun, of course, Jack Frost, the foul mouthed kind of you know villains that that talk. Uh, so yeah, like knowing, and we did have a little bit of a, we, so we had a love for the the practical puppet effect kind of films. And then in college, we were do, working on a lot of like horror shorts and stuff. And at one point uh, I, I wanted to be a makeup effects artist. And I was like, oh, I'll go to the Tom Savini school in Pennsylvania and I'll just do horror effects, special, special effects. And so I was kind of already dabbling with like first as a kid like whatever you could buy at the local spirit halloween store just like fake blood and vampire teeth and just whatever junk you could get but then in la i had access to like better um stuff and then i would actually start to like you know sculpt things and make molds and stuff so it was kind of like i mean every movie we've done is like this where we have an idea of like okay here's what we want to accomplish and then we sort of reverse engineer by okay what do we have available we have some leftover plaster in the closet we can make a turkey. We love these holiday horror films. There's a gap. No one's made a, a Thanksgiving one. And it all just starts to come together. Um, That's cool because I see that also in The Headhunter, right? Because I feel mm-hmm. like it's a beautiful film. It's polar, like totally a polar opposite to Thanksgiving. But I also see like it's it's also simple in that way that like you have an amazing location. You have, again, your practical effects that you're bringing, and you have a great actor. And, like, that's really the trifecta of what that movie is. And, again, like, you're just approaching with a simple mindset as best you can. Well, specifically, the the third act practical stuff in The Headhunter mm-hmm. is, like, real reminiscent of Thanksgiving in terms of puppetry, right? Mm-hmm. Like some of the skeleton, some of the skeleton stuff in that is, and it's fucking terrifying. Well, I was, like, the, I think Evil Dead too. It very much yeah. makes me think of some moments in Evil Dead. I was thinking Dead Alive as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. some of the puppetry in Dead Alive is very. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if that's an influence, but if it is, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. So, Thanks Killing Three. I, they, there might be more puppets than people. In in that yeah, one, for there sure, hundred <laughs> percent. There's definitely more puppets people. Was that just like a, a choice? You're like, man, I'm sick of dealing with actors. Sometimes we're just going to replace half these people with puppets and call it a day. Do you remember early on? I mean, I'm trying to think like when that came about because it wasn't like that was Thanks Killing Three. The skipping a sequel idea was really kind of like the the thing that hooked us and sort of said, okay, this is probably worth doing because it's so ridiculous and no one will ever let us do this later so we should just do this uh but then the puppets thing i'm trying to remember maybe you do kevin but like it started as fairly normal i think the very first draft well normal but like it the very first (laughs) draft or idea was that they were going to go to a thanksgiving themed carnival like that there was this Mm -hmm. year-round thanksgiving land 
And it was mostly humans that then Turkey shows up to, to wreak havoc. But at some point we were just like, Hey, what if we just made the hero a puppet? I'm trying to remember what, what the genesis of that was. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good question. I mean, we definitely, once we started going down the puppet road, we definitely wanted to add more and more and more puppets. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Like, why not make Flois a puppet? Which, because she was originally cast as it, or not cast, but she was, you know, written as a human. And then, sure. uh, and then we made Flois a puppet as well. And then we were just trying to get closer and closer to something like Meet the Feebles, or yeah. you know. Ah. I literally wow. brought that up earlier before we even started <laughs> yeah. talking to you guys. That I was like, I'll bet meet when we were watching the Headhunter. I was like, I get strong Meet the Feebles <laughs> vibes from yeah. this. Yeah, um, Meet the Feebles was. That's funny you mentioned that. That movie was like off limits to me as a kid because same. Really, you had this. Yeah. Be, didn't didn't the the cover had something on there, a sticker that basically was like warning: this is X rated, yep. not for children. And of yep. course that just made me want that 10 times more. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, it's because it was, it's because it was puppets and they were like, children are going to gravitate towards puppets, but right. it's like, no, you should not let children watch these puppets. <laughs> but I remember that specifically that movie and dead alive. Like mm-hmm. my mother specifically being like went over my dead body. Like you will yep. have to pry these videos from my cold <laughs> dead hand to watch them. Yep. Same well, here. Same here. And they would like my, bro- my older brother, saw it and i remember like we were at some family gathering and we had to like go and sneak into like the pantry or something so that he could tell me and maybe what other (laughs) cousins were around what happened and he said there was some and i don't even remember what the situation was something about the cow's udder or something i was just like, oh yeah whoa like what i couldn't so i think that meet the people a horrible episode of are you afraid of the dark yeah (laughs) sneak into a dark cupboard and well, yeah, and sand in a fire. Well, you probably had the optimal experience because, like, yeah, you're like you just kind of motioned with your hand. Your brain's doing all the work on Meet the Feebles. Like yeah. you're being fed the information, yeah. so it's probably more horrific to you than it has mm-hmm. been to like anyone else who experienced the movie visually. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, and then I yeah I remember when I eventually saw Meet the Feebles. It was no less horrifying and shocking than it would have been otherwise. But like, mm-hmm. there was a small part of me that because it had been so hyped up that I was like, well. Yeah, could have been worse. Like I'm not as traumatized <laughs> as I thought I was going to be. Yeah, totally. I agree. Yeah, and so those things, those were super big influences, as well as like the more recent stuff, like Wonder Shows in or um, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yes, with PFFR and those guys, uh, TV, TV Funhouse, Fun House, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. R-rated vulgar puppets was like sort of this really niche su- subgenre that there's only a few of these things and we love Jim Henson sure. and a, and it, for, yes. for, all, for all of its PG-ness, I'm a huge Muppets fan. And so like, sure. Uh, I think just the chance to do a super puppet heavy thing was like really exciting to us for all these reasons. Sure. Yeah. So it was that. And also you, you brought up earlier how excited you were about the skip a sequel sequel. I know fans crowdfunded a lot of, especially uh, both of them, I think, but especially the third slash second one. Mm-hmm. Were you not that interested in doing a two until the idea came around to do two as three? Or three, <laughs> that three makes sense. as two. Three as two. I'm to rem- yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember if the three, skipping the sequel, was right there from the very beginning. I think it might have been. And then that's how we kind of reframed the Kickstarter, I think, was that it was going to be Thanksgiving 2, and then we're going to mm-hmm. pull mm-hmm. pull the rug sure. and be like, yeah. actually, guys, doing something way cooler. <laughs> Well, consider. Uh, have you guys ever? Has there ever been a conversation about should we make Thanksgiving too? Oh yeah. Like, should we make the long lost Thanksgiving? Like, and if so, why haven't you? Is my immediate <laughs> question. We definitely <laughs> talked about that a lot. Yeah, I mean, we. I think we thought at the end of the first one when it says to be continued in space, that was more just at, at that point a joke because every <laughs> bad horror franchise ultimately goes sure. to space. So we just thought it'd be hilarious if you just get to the get to the get to the point um but yeah, jason did it leprechaun did it mm-hmm. all, hellraiser uh all, all the greats oh yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right oh, the fourth such one. a bad leprechaun all the hits all the classics um and maybe this is to to a fault i think we were stubborn in saying like well we don't want to just do the obvious thing now and go and make part two in space even if it was the exact same and that honestly is probably what the fans would have preferred a lot of people probably would have rather seen that and in the end maybe that would have been the movie we should have made but i think we just got excited about doing the unexpected um because sure. in between thanks killing 
like Kevin said, we made that when we were in college during summer break. Mm -hmm. So then we had to go mm -hmm. back to school and finish like, you know, Thanksgiving is sitting on a hard drive while we're like writing reports and papers and, <laughs> and, and finishing school and writing other scripts and pitching things and trying to make all kinds of different projects. So it kind of like, even though it went Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving three, as far as the movies we made back to back, there was all kinds of other stuff in between. So I don't think we were trying to do a Thanksgiving sequel right away until maybe the first one started to develop a little bit more of a following. And I think we probably mm -hmm. then felt energized by that to sort of be like, okay, well, you know, all these other things aren't really working. Maybe we should explore this. Well, I appreciate like what you guys did on the third slash second one, because I think the unexpectedness is what makes it a fun film. Yeah. Because if you just did the same as the second one, I mean, I've, you've taken the killing turkey where it needs to go with the first one. And I love about the third one because there's multiple times when I'm watching it that I forget that this is like a killer turkey movie at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like we leave the killer turkey behind quite a few times and for extended amounts of time we have all the, all the plot lines with the puppets. And it just feels like what Thanksgiving should be, which is just having fun. So, uh, yeah. so talk to me about Thanksgiving the musical. Yeah, how did this happen? How did that? Like, oh, that's a great one. I have not had the chance to see Thanks Killing the Musical, so uh, I have no other perspective other than that it exists. If you guys find, a, I think there's some YouTube uh, videos yeah. of it out there. It's so worth it. It's excellent. Um, okay. The we went to Seattle for I think that was a premiere, right? Yeah. Um, for yeah, for the premiere, and we were blown away. It's like almost it almost works better as a musical than a movie. I'd say it does. <laughs> I, I mean, it's very theatrical. It's hilarious. Yeah. Well, and I'm sort of fascinated by the trend of turning hard horror movies into not hard in terms of like serious, but hard in terms of like you know hard R movies into musicals. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I'm sort of fascinated by that. Like there's an Evil Dead musical apparently right. where it's very Gallagher esque that the fir the front row has to wear a you know plastic sheet because they're gonna get covered in fake blood. <laughs> the splash zone. I love it. Yeah, we had some of that. We had a splash thing. Yeah. on Thanksgiving the musical was great. Well, and it's just it's, it. it fascinates me, and it it makes sense in my head that that would work as a musical because it is very theatrical and it is very sort of well, campy. I feel like I think of Avenue Q right yeah. immediately yeah. when we think of like a round totally. raunchy puppets meets musical, like that Avenue mm -hmm. Q is really there. Mm -hmm. So you guys, it was a Seattle-based theater theater company that came up with the concept of doing it as a musical, and they approached you guys for the rights. No, actually, it was um, I think I had some. I don't know what their actual titles were, but there were writers. There were like musical writers that approached us. They were huge fans of Thanksgiving one. Mm -hmm. They emailed us. It was like, Hey guys, we, uh, believe it or not, we want to make a musical out of your movie. <laughs> we're like, okay, we're flattered. Uh, yeah, why not? Let's see what you got. And then they sent us yeah. over, I think the songs and the script for, for the musical. And we were blown away. Like these are hilarious, yeah. hilarious lyrics, hilarious songs. And we said, yeah, go for it. I mean, and then they, you know, we gave them the rights to it and uh, we took a, a small percentage and they went off and, and made it. Remind me of the names, Jordan. It's like uh, Jordan, Jeff and David <clears throat> were the three. Yeah. Like you said, they were all each one kind of specialized in something different, whether it's music, lyrics and then, you know, story. But yeah, we were sort of skeptical when they wrote us. Because, I mean, that's just an odd request, right? And you also don't know, like, <laughs> yeah, sure. well, that's a lot of work. Like, are you guys going to actually follow through with this? Because even though it's Thanksgiving, that doesn't mean that it still isn't hard to, like, go through the process of making sure. um, a musical. But then, like Kevin said, the script was hilarious. And we were like, okay, well, let's give this a chance. And and it was, it was a bit far and away better than the movie. And it, we felt that way. Anybody <laughs> who saw it. It's different. It just worked better. And we didn't even really think about that in the movie because there is that musical number, the best friend Billy mm -hmm. song that's there. But yeah. that wasn't really we weren't thinking about musical tie in. But then once you that sort of like whatever that scene, when you guys watch Thanksgiving, if you enjoy that scene, imagine that 10 different times throughout because they'll stop for these different character bits. And then the turkey comes sure. out and he's got his you know, song and dance number. And it's just really, really, really funny. I don't know if it's touring right now, but it had a lot of success everywhere it went, but it just played in small little venues and it's a lot of work to put on the show. So it just kind of is about finding the theater companies that would reach out and request the rights to sure. do it. And does it more or less tell the story of the first film or is it a completely separate concept? It's the same. It's the, it's basic. There is, I mean, a lot of the dialogue is pulled from the film, 
Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest, and so yeah, plot wise, story wise, it follows the exact same thing. They just sort of like, uh, you know, add to certain certain things, like Billy and Darren being best friends and possible love interests that's kind of hinted at in the movie. They just like expound upon that and make it a bigger thing. And they oh, have sure. like the dream, the dreamy moments. And there's a lot of like really uh, inappropriate John Benet Ramsey stuff throughout. <laughs> and well, that always spices things up. That, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it always gets a response at least. Right. <laughs> well, so, so Jordan early on, you worked pretty closely with Craven, with Wes Craven. Yeah. I wouldn't say really closely at all. No, I mean I worked. No, uh, I was an intern at his production company. Okay, and okay. Uh, so I was working more closely with uh, his assistant and with the other people okay. in the office. But I would see him and, and talk to him um, every now and then. I mean, then. even just being in his presence, yeah, in a, in a marginal amount. You know what I mean? Like, can can we talk about that a little bit? Like, just, yeah, yeah, sure. Like, what era? What what year was that? Like, what films were being made while you're? I guess. <sighs> interning there it was six months about that i was there um give or take and it was during they just had made and released the hills have eyes too and they were cool when i was there so it was basically they were writing they were going through drafts of last house on the left the remake so this was 2007 2008 ish i think 2007 because thanks killing i remember actually bringing it into the office to showing not to him but to somebody else that was <laughs> <laughs> that would have been <laughs> uh but it would have been like and you work for me that- <laughs> yeah uh, yeah that would have been funny uh so thanks killing we had shot it, it so thanks killing in this you know overlapped but um yeah i mean i was just doing like office you know duties as far as answering the call answering phones reading scripts, coverage, uh, watching screeners and stuff. Like they had me watch this. They had this like burnt deep blue DVD that like was in a little, like with a Sharpie on it and just said paranormal activity. And they're like, here, check this thing out and see if it's going to see if it's going to be like, see what you think. Apparently this is like going to be big. I was like, all right, yeah, this looks (laughs) and put it in and just watched it like alone in the office. And I was like, guys, this is terrifying. Uh, awesome. (laughs) I'm glad you, I was hoping you were gonna have that reaction. If you yeah. was like, "Yeah, this sucks." <laughs> no, no, no. It it got me the and I yeah the first one for sure. Awesome. Oh, I, yeah. yeah, I had the same reaction. Like very few films around that time were able to scare me. You know, I was pretty desensitized to to mm-hmm. genre. Sure. But I made a point to like watch that one alone. You know, shut the lights off, and it really did have an effect. Like that that movie's pacing and that well, that, and movie that was just sort hit of chord, its major selling point out. at first, yeah. right? That it was bringing because that movie came out in a kind of a dark time for horror like mainstream horror when everything was PG 13 and mm-hmm. like had the same basic plot and like three word title. And then paranormal activity was like, you remember what it's like to be scared here? <laughs> like, just, and it came out of nowhere, you know, it yeah. wasn't like a big budget Hollywood thing. It's sort of just like, it could be real. You know, that was, that was a great moment. Yeah. yeah it was like totally. kind of what Blair Witch did 10 years prior to that. Like, exactly. Yeah. And that's what, that's what always kind of blown my mind is that you had, filmmakers had 10 years to like take this found footage concept and apply mm-hmm. it somewhere else but it's almost like people didn't really know what to do with it for the, all that amount of time until like the technology changed and all of a sudden everyone's carrying phones around with them yeah. and the NSA is spying on everyone and all of a sudden paranormal activity is a much scarier concept because it's putting horror coming inwards towards your safe space rather than you know maybe say you're going out to sure. the evil dead cabin and something happens in some other zone outside of your safe space mm-hmm. totally yeah yeah well, and Blair, I don't know if you guys know, we live in the town or in the county that Blair Witch really? takes place in, supposedly. Oh, yeah. yeah it, no way. Burkittsville is like 20 minutes away from us. Ed Sanchez actually lives pretty close. He's yeah. been over here and been on the show with us before. You know, he's a That's really awesome. nice guy. And he's, he supports he's independent enormous. cinema around here, too. He's he's very, yeah, he is enormous. He's like 6'8". Like, he's, he's, he's a humongous. He's a huge. Tall. Jordan's tall and Ed dwarfs him. I have to look up. Um, wow. But yeah, like, I, I, was in, I was a senior in high school when Blair Witch came out, and... I think what they did brilliantly with that, like you said, the internet was still in its Wild West days, so they utilized that with Blair Witch to make people believe that that shit was real. And, like, we mm-hmm. all believed it for at least six months that, like, this tiny town that none of us had ever been to was somehow full of witches. But Right. And, I mean, I think, like, the, the there's, like, a cool connection there because, like, when Paranormal Activity obviously came out, it changed with the technology, and it used that internet concept more with, like, viral YouTube, which was more of the time. 
which you guys were also like on the the sort of the vanguard of using crowdfunding in its earlier years to like produce sure. your like obviously now everyone crowdfunds everything. Mm-hmm. But I remember when you guys were funding that movie and I remember like it being like big news that like, hey, well, this is a movie being made by money coming straight from fans and it's not being produced by any studio. So like what was the concept there with bringing the crowdfunding into it at such an early stage when it wasn't such a like a go to concept for indie filmmakers yeah we just we 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 had a good amount of a following at that point mm-hmm. so in our minds we were like um well shit we can get like i don't know five, this is the easy math we did in our heads we we're like five thousand fans by the by the 20 dollars dvd reward and we'll have our budget it's like of course that never happens no sure, five thousand sure, fans aren't gonna buy the, you know so you know, we, we were thinking, and we had like 15,000 followers on Facebook at the time. So we're just thinking, oh, that's easy. We can do this. It yeah. turned out to be a lot harder than that. Um, and we just... So it was pretty tough for you guys still. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we spent three months like thinking of every like advertise, like marketing campaign we could, we could come up with, like uh, find the turkey. Do you remember that, Jordan? We had a... Oh, yeah. The, tur- the turkey had been... Hadn't got... He'd gone rogue. And we needed to find him to to shoot the movie, I think, was kind of the idea. And it was popping up all over the world. And we did this whole Facebook marketing kit. This is all put on by by me and Jordan. We did a findtheturkey.com website. I mean, everything. He was hanging out with Nick Cage somewhere. (laughs) That's probably. (laughs) (laughs) The turkey is a national treasure, sir. Uh Um, So how many movies have you guys made together? Uh, Including shorts? Uh, Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Every, you guys seem to always pretty much team up. Is that more or pretty less, much? Right? Yeah, you guys are- yeah, that's how it's worked. I mean, Kevin, by nature, being a cinematographer, has worked on other mm-hmm. other projects sure. that I haven't been a part of. Even though back in the day, I would come and like sometimes grip on them for a day or two because I needed some money. And sure. so <laughs> then, in the end, uh, our paths did always cross. I don't know. It's probably eight to ten now. If okay. Yeah, okay. you include the awesome. the short, and that's not even the. I mean, you want to include scripts and pitches and oh treatments gosh. and all that stuff. We're now we're triple that number, whatever that would yeah. be. Sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, finished things. It's yeah. And it started back at, in school because we just were, there was a handful of people that we both went to film school in, in, in Los Angeles. And there were a handful of us who every weekend would go and work on the student films, not out of necessity, sure. but because that's what we love. Like we live and breathe yeah. movies and just to make them and be a part of it was fun and but we were some of the only ones that then would say okay well why don't we just use the resources and the the facilities and the equipment and go make our own movies so there was a couple times where there was like sets left built from other people's projects that we would then just go in and and Mm. use them to make our projects for we'd get like leftover film stock and Kevin worked in the camera department. I worked in the lighting department. So we both had keys to just be able to basically come and go with whatever gear we wanted. And that just kept on going. I think thanks killing what it did for us is like, it proved, well, one, there's probably a fear that a lot of filmmakers have, like if they're going to go make their first feature, certainly it seems like some of our peers have dealt with this where you want it to be perfect. The longer you wait until you do that, the more pressure you've put on yourself, maybe to do the sure. to make the right movie or get the script right or casting right or whatever. So then before you know it, you never do it because you're worried about the, you know, the failures that you might encounter. But because we made Thanksgiving at such a young age and we chose a storyline that was basically supposed to be ridiculous, we kind of got that those fears out of the way really quick because then at that point it's like well we already made thanksgiving like we already made a bad movie so at this point in time like there's nothing to worry about and we proved that we could do this for no money so that's just really empowered us for everything we've done Mm -hmm. since really i love that attitude yeah Uh, especially now having seen the headhunter and seeing what you just said displayed in real time yeah because the headhunter is odd like without taking away from thanksgiving it's the opposite you know what I mean? Yeah, like Headhunter is a really well thought out, g- gorgeously shot film. Um, and I love the fact that I, like, I love what you just said, that you're like, let's get this shitty but great movie out of the way early on and dispel all those fears you have about making a feature. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, as a creative, I can confer with that. The, the idea that, like, when you make that first big project of yours, like the 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 second guessing yourself is what stops it from ever happening. Right. Yep. Right. Cause you're like, oh, I have to get every Pretty possible much, yeah. thing. Perfect. Yeah. Or the fear that that thing will define you forever, which I think yeah. the headhunter clearly proves that that's 
not the case. Yeah. Like the headhunter, I think, is a really, really strong like return for you guys to work together and like a very I mean, it makes a strong point. Yeah. The whole film. Thank you. Since it got went on shutter, you know, I, we watched it and we were both like blown away on yeah. not only with like yeah. every the cinematography about it, the tone, the lack of dialogue, and the practical effects still, you know, having such a presence in the film without being overbearing or you know, drawing away from the human story. Mm-hmm. And so I had a question, where were you guys shooting for that film? Because the locations are amazing. Uh, yeah, we shot that in Portugal, where I'm originally wow. from. I, I grew up there. Okay. Um, my dad's American, my mom's Portuguese, but I, I was in Portugal until okay. I was 17. And oh, wow. um, my grandmother lives in the north of Portugal in this small 200-year-old village. And you know, Jordan has known this for a long time, but we've been all always talking about like, got to go shoot a movie there. This is such an awesome location. Sure. And uh, finally, we came up with an idea that would work for that. And we were like, well, maybe shit, we can pull off a, a medieval movie because it's a 200 year old village. There's not much technology around. And as you saw in the film, like we we uh, we use an old water mill, which was where uh, the headhunter lived. Right. Um and we kind of dressed it all up and, you know, we did everything ourselves with production design and all the monster heads and all the corpsing and the, you know, all the stuff that's in, in the movie, basically that gives it that lived in feel. And that was all done by, you know, Jordan and I, and um, some other friends that were there where there was a four, it was a four man crew uh, total. Wow. And uh, one actor. Oh, wow. Um, who, uh, who did the sound design on it? Cause uh, the sound design is brilliant. is just as brilliant as anything else in it, in my opinion. I'm glad you're uh Catching that because yeah, uh, Eric Wegener he did the sound design and he's uh, amazing. He's he's worked with us on a couple other movies as well and yeah, a lot of people actually have said that it's like the sound design in this film is incredible because yeah, there's not well, much I, to work. It with. It really does. Well, and I've said I've said for the last few years that there's been a number of horror of genre films, both mainstream and more indie, that have come out that have really made a return to using sound to scare the shit out of you, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. I think of like Ari Aster as mm-hmm. more of the mainstream end of that, where it just like his films are sound just as scary as they look. Right. Creating sound motifs. Yeah. So like they return. Totally. And, and I, I saw a lot of that in Hit Hunter, where it was like there's a lot of off screen sounds that you hear that really fill out the plot and like make it scarier somehow. Yeah. And it's, it's, it was a lot of fun to like kind of realize that when you strip back the, uh, you know, the traditional aspects of film where you have, multiple characters in a scene talking and explaining plot and character points that you would normally get and all that stuff. And when you remove all that and all you get is a single camera cinematography and sound and score to do the work of what that other character in a scene would have normally done. That's awesome. Like I love that in a movie and like, I wish there were more movies like that, that, and that was really like our goal was to make as much as we love like art house films, Obviously, we started talking about Peter Jackson and Thanksgiving at the beginning of this. So we have this other like campy, pulpy, culty sort of like interest in this as well. And that's, I think, like hopefully Headhunter is much more like our voice. And it's the it's the hybrid of both of those worlds. And that and that's something like I've been excited to to try and do, especially since Headhunter. But leading up to that point as well, where you could have something serious and quiet that makes you think. But it also does deliver in the third act, hopefully, on some gory fun that gets loud. It's in your face. It's aggressive. It's fantasy. Like, I wish that there were more movies because it seems like 10 movies tend to fall into one or the other directions. You either, well, we're really slapstick and silly, so we can't take this serious. Or, well, we're so serious that we can't possibly have a puppet in this. Right, sure. And I think there, there can be something in between. Yeah, and I think like Peter Jackson is a great great example of someone who does that and followed that same trajectory. Mm -hmm. You started off with things that were obviously very puppet focused and obviously blended that love of practical effects into films. Oh yeah, you know, and I mean, if you look at like the Weta Studio that did all of the Lord of the Rings movies, like the first ones, not the Hobbit, not 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 the Hobbit movies, but the the first (laughs) Lord of the Rings movies, there's some genuinely terrifying practical effects in those movies, even though they're more for children and they're. Not as scary as say like Dead Alive or Meet the Feebles, but like, yeah, he absolutely is the kind of the master of blending that campy and that puppetry with like I'm gonna scare the shit out of you today. Yeah, and I and I, I you know to reel that back in, I think you guys do a really good job of of hitting that mark in in the Headhunter. Um, I also got vibes of like almost like Jarmusch's Dead Man. Yeah, uh, at moments <laughs> throughout that where it's just like, hey, we're just going to sit 
and we're going to create tone. Yep. It is medieval, but at times, like we had this little debate whether is this medieval or is this some like sort of post-apocalyptic specifically <clears throat> because of the use of the coffee grinder as the prop. <laughs> the damn coffee grinder. That's a uh, low budget. But for us, it honestly complicated through like a little mix of things and they're like, oh, well, maybe like this is actually like the future past or, you know, that kind of thing. Or this is like a, a worst case scenario future or something yeah, that like we're Mad, living Mad in. Mad Max somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um, so, I mean, for me, it didn't take me out of it. It just kind of like, ooh, that's like an interesting spice. Yeah, we found, I don't know, we found that coffee grinder in one of our, my grandmother's places or, or something. And we're like, oh, this looks kind of old and medieval-y. Let's put that in there without even really thinking about it. See, and I think that's why I recognized it, because my grandma also had one. That's and weird. we had it Mine sitting had in, my, in my house when I was a kid. So I was just immediately recognized, oh, it's a grandma's old coffee grinder. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, I think they're well, more like uh, Civil War era or something. But yeah, we weren't really... It, we were we were sort of basically uh, inspecting everything with our own medieval goggles, which are highly not historically accurate. <laughs> well, <laughs> in, in either way, it still works narratively. Like it still right, works yeah. as a narrative as a plot device, right? Well, especially because the film kind of embraces the fact that you don't need to explain too much. Like we know all we need to know yeah. about the environment. We obviously we get the heads on the wall, but we don't know a great deal about like what these things are, their yeah. relationships, like how smart they are, sentient. The greater world is still left pretty open and I feel like that's kind of what works for it is we just get this one man's perspective on sure. this clearly larger world that he's in. Well, and Kevin, before I forget, this yeah. is completely off topic. Um I want to talk about unfriended dark web. Sure, yeah. Oh, because yeah. it's such a unique thing for a cinematographer mm, I totally like. yeah. and like what yeah what, what headspace were you in what was your approach to doing that because it's there's nothing traditional about that cinematography wise oh no totally i mean it's always a good challenge right whenever something like sure. that appears and it's something you've never seen before you're like oh how can i make this as realistic as possible and that was my approach sure. was like man this is a funny story i uh i spent a lot of time on chat roulette because I was looking for people's <laughs> real setup. Like independently or just for, as we, just, no judgment. He's like, it's uh, becoming a problem, actually. Were you the guy washing dishes? <laughs> on, on uh, no, I was specifically doing it for this film. And okay, because yeah. I was like, oh, you know, I want to I want to find real setups of people using their webcams and what the lighting sure. is and wh- what's the angle. Why is the camera being used here? And, and so I would go on chat roulette and, you know, I wouldn't talk to anybody. And I would be like, I'd screenshot different uh, people setups uh, and i saw a lot of dicks in the mi- in the mi- in the mix of all that no uh, lord yes well, but uh but i would you know ignore that go on to the next you go to the beach you expect seagulls of course you know I mean? of course <laughs> i knew what i was getting into at the time but <laughs> he bought um, that ticket he took that ride <laughs> but it was good it was good because i i actually pulled some screenshots from that it, uh, i might still have them uh, and I, I mimicked the lighting or I like found inspiration from the from the lighting and the setups that those people use because I really wanted to feel as real as possible um, sure. as if somebody's using their webcam. Right. Especially if you watch this movie on a computer screen, uh, that's when you'll really feel immersed. Um, was it actually shot with webcams? Yeah, or that's was my it question. Shot with like normal cameras and then and then GoPros. edited after the shot with GoPros. Okay, okay. okay. so almost like uh, a webcam, a, right? I mean, so it's a healthy medium. Yeah. Was there the, the, that discussion, though? Like, do we shoot this? On a like, do we just really, really do it with a webcam, or was it always we know we need to scale it down from a better image? Um, no, there wasn't really that discussion. One because the movie uh, Unfriended, the first one, had already been made, and they'd kind of like established a uh, wow. an MO for that, and so they're like, "We're going to do GoPros. We already know what to do." It's like, "Cool, cool, that sounds good." Uh, but the whole system was actually pretty complex. Like, we had five or six actors in one house. Each one of those rooms was designed differently so that they looked like in different parts of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we had to run the GoPro feed um, from one of those people all the way to each of their computers so they could see them. So it's kind of like a wired Skype. So it wasn't, we were not using the internet to so that they could see each other. We were wiring their cameras yeah. to each other. Essentially. Okay. So we had all these wires going throughout the whole house. Oh, so it's like closed circuit, but Skype. yeah, yeah, basically closed okay. circuit Sky- okay. Skype that they could see each other in real time because that was super important for performances is that they could sure. see each- they were reacting to each other in real time and not with a Wi-Fi connection. Um, so there's some complex stuff behind the scenes and making that happen. Uh, but yeah, it was a super fun challenge. Uh, you know, um, I got a pro- producer friend of mine called me up and actually Jordan and I and some other friends were up at, uh, doing a writer's retreat in Mammoth. And I got called up and it's like, hey, uh, 
I want to put you in the in the hat to shoot the to shoot Unfriended or to shoot a Blumhouse film. That's what they told me. I was like, oh shit, yeah, that'd be fucking awesome. Yeah, great. Um, and uh, and Jordan and I and some other friends that were up there decided, well, let's make an audition tape right here. And we did a, uh, we basically shot on an iPhone. We did like an Unfriended type scene. <laughs> where it then goes and clicks and once that that scene kind of goes out like a horror scene of some sort it goes to my reel uh so it's all that's that oh, was my okay, submission cool. and apparently nice apparently that was uh, you know i never heard back from that but like uh, late years later i asked the producer he's like did you ever send that to the director and he's like oh yeah i sent that out and he's like yeah that was awesome that was that was a huge part why you got hired so oh, awesome oh, wow. um that's too cool so that was the story it's interesting for me to hear about that because it's a film that looks effortless. Like all of these found footage, yeah. uh, especially the one shot from the computer screen, all look effortless. Like, oh, we just flipped on the yeah. computer one day. But, you know, it's how much work goes in to a natural room look or just, a, you know, you don't see the cinematography. You don't see the lighting. You don't feel like cinema, but it's approached like cinema. Totally. Yeah. And there wasn't we didn't even use film lights, I don't think. I, yeah, it was all practicals. Like we all wanted, we wanted to make sure it was always as natural as possible. Realistic. Realistic, yeah, realistic exactly. And if things were blown out in the background or if the lighting was underexposed, or, that's all we embraced, all that stuff. All the like. Um, right, because it, that is exactly what it looks like. And if you didn't, then it would look a little bit fake, a little exactly. bit too polished, right? Your reality is not that perfect. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So this question is for both of you guys as the creators of probably the most iconic Thanksgiving horror movie i can think of that probably still i don't think anyone's really tried to, to get another go at thanksgiving do you guys have any thanksgiving traditions of your own that are out of the ordinary or do you guys do, just do the uh, the old american tradition but it's it's funny to me like years later thinking about this because i'm i'm portuguese i grew up in portugal my dad's american but i never celebrated thanksgiving and here <laughs> here i am being one of the co-writers on a thanksgiving movie sure. and i knew nothing not really not nothing but i didn't know a ton like all the Thanksgiving stuff that's in the movie was just stuff that I saw in movies. Um, yeah. So no, the answer is no. I mean, <laughs> I've never really celebrated Thanksgiving that much. I never thought about this, but that's actually probably was a good thing that like, cause your perspective of like, oh, like you just said, your idea of Thanksgiving is what you saw in the movies, which is basically what the spoofing that we did was just making fun of the things that everybody knows yeah. about Thanksgiving. So like it probably made it easier <laughs> for you to, make fun of the traditions um yeah from that perspective i don't because have any knowing like the norman rockwell look of right. like thanksgiving yeah exactly much, and yeah. just like the silliness of a you know just all of these things you know that we go times 10 as far as putting on a, a turkey suit and all that stuff that a lot of people <laughs> don't do but uh no i don't i didn't grow up with any crazy traditions just the usual the usual get the family together and make a turkey and a bunch of unhealthy American foods. That was like, I mean, there oh, wasn't yes. just glutton out, glutton out. There was nothing. <laughs> it's forever changed for both of us now at this point. I mean, every oh, year, whether it's, um, you know, doing, whether it's doing uh, podcasts like this, whether it's just random stuff that pops up, there's always something each year that just when you think, it sort of has reached its peak or that like no one else will discover this and it's going to like finally like die off because it's this tiny little movie in our minds. It like reaches some other threshold of cultness, which is crazy to watch. Like it'll just be like it was on the Ellen DeGeneres show a couple years ago. We're just like, <laughs> what? Like what? every time yeah. there's just always something. And it's just like, wow, That's like wild to it's me. crazy that it really has tapped into like pop culture in that sense. Um and I think you'll find that horror fans really just don't let things die, right? We we mm -hmm. we yeah. find movies we love and we love them forever. And and you know, well, it, also, it doesn't matter. The more obscure and the crazier it is, and the more exclusive it is to that community, I feel like the harder it's embraced. Well, a lot I of think the times. that speaks volumes about the genre community, right? Like we're all sort of outcasts in our own way, right? Totally. So like when we latch on to something that just embraces that ideal like yeah we're never gonna let that die no ever. yeah we're gonna go watch like, it every year at thanksgiving there's a, there's a reason i have barbarella on laser disc <laughs> and it's not because it's a good movie exactly. have you guys done uh like thanksgiving november screenings or whatever live events that kind of stuff with the film we did uh yeah, last yeah. year wasn't it did was it or was it for the headhunter i can't remember um didn't we do like a screener thing or a scener you know uh that was for the headhunter, no no right? that was that was headhunter but yeah, I, it was on shutter that's right 
I know what you're mm-hmm. thinking of. There was, um, we did like a little cast and crew reunion sort of thing for a film festival um, that was all Zoom, which oh, you know too. not yeah, the yeah, same yeah. as being in person. But sure. um, the but yeah, we we have done. I mean, Thanksgiving three came out in November, so there was a lot of like screening stuff for that. I think Thanksgiving the musical. Actually, I don't remember what time of the year that was, but there was probably some of the other you know touring uh, ones that were around the holiday. But yeah, we have done a bunch of stuff over the years that are, you know, around Thanksgiving. At some point, maybe we'll, you know, everybody, luckily, everybody involved is still living and in good health. Um, And unfortunately, like we never really got because it was such a small crew, we never really had like a lot of behind the scenes footage or anything. And it still isn't on Blu-ray. So that would sort of in the back of our minds, like it would be awesome to sort of do something that is much more of a proper like you know get everybody together to discuss it whether it's a really in-depth making of featurette whether it's a Mm -hmm. really cool um sort of like horror con panel or something um because there really hasn't been that opportunity for everybody to we've talked about it a lot over the years but but the whole group hasn't been together since we made it Um, wow so are you guys developing anything together now that's going to be coming out or is there something new on the table yeah, we're that you can talk that you about. can talk about. <laughs> I mean, we I mean, we're super excited about like, yeah, like literally this basically the past couple of years since Headhunter, we have been developing all kinds of different um, different projects, but they just so happen so that like basically the past year has been spent mostly on two things. One is more of a pitch. One is a finished script. Uh, and both of those are just like about to be sent out in the next week so it's been like you know a long time coming but we yeah we can't say what they're about but they're definitely horror uh and like we're super excited about them hopefully something goes and if not then we'll go make another thing you know on our own and get to these when we do so we have a pretty good attitude about like the balancing act of like take a couple of big swings and try to get uh, something you're really excited about made and then also kind of have like the smaller projects in our back pocket so that we can go and make something if we start to get a little antsy. Well, I love that a, attitude. Yeah, like, not getting exactly discouraged. What I, was thinking. It's, yeah. I love you guys both seem n- number one, very down to earth, very aware of what you're doing. Right. And number two, you both seem to be very in love with what you're doing. Huh. Right. For the sake, for the sake of it itself, not because of money, not because of totally fame or anything like that. But like, it's just really refreshing to meet filmmakers that are like, no, we do this because we love movies. Like, we do this because there's a magic in there. Yeah. That- you don't want to fund this one? Fine. We'll make something different. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, all I, I love is, that attitude. And after seeing puppets. The Headhunter, I can't wait to really see what you guys Same. come up with Same. next because I think it could be pretty much anything. I th- we've already seen yeah. both sides of the spectrum from you guys, so I have no idea <laughs> what you guys have planned next, but I'm excited about it. I think you guys will, will love uh, both of these ideas if and when they get Fuck made. Yeah. They're they're fucking awesome. We're we're really excited about them. You know, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, they happen. Excellent. But yeah. Well, if and when they do get made, we'll have to have you guys back on the show to talk about those things. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, guys. I guess that's really all from yeah. us. We want to thank you guys so much for, yes, uh, for celebrating you. Thanksgiving with us. Here. Oh yeah, happy yeah. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to every yeah. Jordan, Kevin, thank you guys so much. It's been awesome. Yes. Thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right, you guys. I hope you enjoyed us talking turkey with Jordan and Kevin. Uh, no, dude, it was fun, man. Like they're both super down to earth and mm-hmm. super uh, self aware and authentic, and I really appreciated that. Bree would tell you that because I'm an enneagram type four, I appreciate authenticity <laughs> more than anything else. I bet you she's listening and she's like, ah. So yeah, thank you so much again to Jordan and Kevin for yeah. for being with us and hanging they're out. fantastic. They I really love their are. attitudes as filmmakers, you know, yeah. and, and I love. You know, I think the reason maybe why Thanksgiving has gone down in history as a fantastic like annual watch for horror fans amongst a sea of other bad horror movies is that these are actually talented filmmakers yeah. who were striving to make a bad film yeah. that they would love. It's very tra- it's, it's very trauma reminiscent right. reminiscent. I think we talk about that in the interview. It's very it reminds me a lot of Lloyd Kaufman's 
vision. Yeah. You know, hyper what I mean? aware. Just, yeah, hyper aware of how bad. But like the only difference is that like when Lloyd talks to you about his films, like he's like, and it's the best film ever made. <laughs> and like he's not being ironic. He's literally like, no, Toxic. To- I don't know why they didn't like why Toxie didn't win an Oscar. <laughs> but and it shows that Kevin and Jordan sort of wanted to make a style movie that they would have rented and, and laughed yeah. about when they were young because that's really what that movie has created is sort of a culture like that's why we do it for yeah. our watch alongs right because it's a fun movie to get together with your friends and watch yeah. and it becomes a group activity of experiencing a film like that yeah so that does it for this week guys as always you know it, the party doesn't end here man jump on over to campnightmare.com check out the extra section where you have all sorts of cool shit you have the X-Files where we put all the supplementary shit that we talk about there's campfire tales you can read there's merch you can buy there's all sorts of shit on our website um, and if you're feeling extra extra spooky and generous you can go to patreon.com slash camp nightmare and sign up for any one of our tiers um there you get all kinds of extra shit you get access to our secret episodes you get discounts on merch you get first dibs on exclusive merch which we are debuting something soon that's going to be super limited our pre-orders are only for patrons yep patrons get first dibs on everything and uh, then they go up on the public store. Yeah. And I'm telling you, man, this this particular item is going to be a very limited run. It's for a very specific time of year. And I think you guys are going to be really fucking into it. And we're going to debut that merch on Tuesday at the Fiendsgiving Hangout, which yeah. is, again, for all our patrons. That's going to be just something we're going to do every year. And this is the first annual hang. So yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. So, guys, thanks so much for listening. I'm Jordan. I'm JB. Camp Nightmare out. Thanks for listening to Camp Nightmare. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Slasher. And for full Campfire Tales, interviews, X-Files, and more, visit CampNightmare.com. And join our Patreon community of happy campers for monthly secret episodes, exclusive merch deals, B-movie watch-alongs, access to our Discord channel, and more. Visit Patreon.com slash Camp Nightmare.